the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our current service times are 9.30 and 11.30 Sunday mornings. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. This is Sean Azaro, and you are listening to Reaching for Real Life. Yes, you are. Welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro. My name is Baron Wiley. So grateful that you tuned in. Pastor Sean, so happy to see you. It brings me joy. <laughs> and I as well, my friend. And we're going we're Catholic now. <laughs> also with you. Uh, now, we're going to talk about a lot of things today on the, on the Reaching for Life podcast. We've had guests the last couple of times, mm-hmm. but we wanted to take a special time to, well, to honor someone very special here in Tim Keller. But before we get to that, Pastor Sean, uh, I got to overhear a little bit of a meeting behind me here mm-hmm. that uh, Balloon Fest is coming back. I can't believe it's been a year already. Oh, yeah. No, it's a, it's a huge festival. What I love about it is we partner with members in our community, and we get to be, we get to be a, 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 just a servant to the community yeah. and host this event. The Chamber of Commerce is involved, all the cities out here, these northeast suburbs right out here, just northeast of San Antonio, Ciblo, Selma, and Shirts. And so it, it is a great it is a great opportunity for us just to invite the whole community onto our property and host them and host show them a good time. Yeah, about what, what a dozen hot air balloons in your backyard here. Uh, yeah, we've had up to twenty, like oh, close my. to twenty. Yeah, and uh, it's a it's a beautiful event for us. We this campus is something God gave us as right. a gift, and we recognized it was more than what we what we needed. And we realized he wanted us to present this uh, and, and make it a resource to the entire community. And it was all for the glory of God, all for just his word to be spread, his name to be manifest. Yeah. Um, but one of the ways we're able to do that is through a simple event like this, this balloon festival, where we, we pray at the beginning, we, throughout the time, we'll make, you know, just different references to what God's doing here. So it's just a, it's a fun event that the whole community just loves. The whole place is lined up with food trucks and you got live music and yeah. there's families out who, who may have never stepped on the campus yep. of the church before in their lives. And, yep. and here we go and getting your servant. We've had Lots of people become a part of River City, begin to grow in discipleship because of this Bloom Festival. So I love it. I love it. And I also happen to know it's moved up from October to September, right? 
Uh, yes, we moved up the the wind. Ah. October is such a great month; it's a perfect month. But the wind patterns have kept the balloons on the ground for the last couple of years. Ah. So we're hoping to get a little better wind. Now it's also could be warmer, so hey. it'll still be nice. But October is just perfect. But if the wind is too high for a balloon festival, then then everything's grounded. So that's that's the reason for that. Uh, it's been a it's been a great event. We're looking forward to it. It'll, that'll be this uh, September uh, right here at the Real Life Center, our campus. Awesome. Another thing I wanted to ask you about, Pastor Sean, because for some reason it just it's important to me. Mm-hmm. Christmas is great, Easter is great. Mm-hmm. Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. Mm-hmm. Fifty days after Easter, yep. Holy Spirit shows up. Yep. We got him forever. Yep. Why is why is that not national news? Why is that not a national holiday? You know, I, I actually taught from the from the passage, not not Acts two, but I taught from Acts chapter ten, where the Gentiles, where we were entered into the the infilling of the Holy Spirit with Cornelius and his family. Um, you know, I I think everybody recognizes, especially and what's funny, it's more liturgical churches recognize mm-hmm. the church calendar, so they would be very aware of it, and they're wa- counting the days. You know, Baron, I just think sometimes. It's funny. I wrote an entire book on the Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life because sometimes we just assume that and we don't understand the gift of the Spirit and the role the Holy Spirit plays as God's actual presence living in the believer, interacting with our spirit, leading, guiding, empowering. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, uh, the Holy Spirit is a gift from the Father. That's right. Amen. Amen. And also this past Sunday, Pastor Sean, you started a new series there. We did start a new series called Outside the Circle, and it's going to be a great series. We're going to team teach. So we're going to get to hear from some of our different leaders. We're bringing a couple guests in from outside. So it's going to be a great, uh, great series of messages. Awesome. Well, it's summertime here. So school's out as well, Pastor Sean. Oh, yes. And we had, if you follow me on Facebook, you saw that two of my little grandchildren who are one month apart you know, my daughter's son, Judah, my son's daughter, Olivia, both graduated kindergarten, awesome. kind of little kindergarten graduates. So it's a big time at our house, right? <laughs> those, those kids are going to be in elementary now. They're big yeah. kids. So, right. you know, did you get him a new car? Pastor Sean already? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> a little electric car in the yard. That's right. Spoiling them away though. That's exactly. you're doing the right thing. Well, Pastor Sean, like I said at the beginning, uh, we, uh, actually, when I found out that Tim Keller died, uh, I reached out to you just to and of course, you you knew. Yeah, you felt a disturbance in the force, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but man, what a loss for the body. Yeah. But what was encouraging to me is that man, it wasn't just on the Christian websites uh, that announced it. Major major publications, the New right. York Times and the Wall Street Journal, and even MSNBC did a very respectful uh, coverage and, and honoring him right, for doing right. it the right way. Yeah. And, and again, some people would sit and uh, some of our listeners would say, well, wait a minute, who is MSNBC, uh, the New York Times, NPR? What, what do they know about doing it the right way ah. as ministers? And, and I would say sometimes that's the case. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you, you can't always use that as a criteria. But I would say Tim Keller was different. Keller, who was 72 years old when he passed, was a a very unique figure in Christianity. And um, he had a very powerful effect. And, uh, you know, there's a reason I think his passing was such a big deal to the body of Christ at large. He was beloved in a very different way. Yeah. You know, and I think some of that is a reflection, some on Keller, but some on other what we'll call famous ministers. Celebrity ministers. Celebrity ministers. That's yeah. a better that's a better phrase. It's I have to say to you, Baron, the older I get, the more I truly believe that fame and celebrity are really bad mm-hmm. for people. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and you know, some people are listening to this right now going, duh. <laughs> you just figured that out, Sean. Well, good to see you getting some wisdom. When does that book come out? <laughs> Fame is bad. And it, it's the fact, the fact is, and I know some wonderful ministers who just fame and then you throw a little spite a little kind of dose of of drivenness Mm -hmm. into it and then a little bit of people pleasing and we've seen so many ministers on a large public stage um, not end well Mm -hmm. and we've seen them end in shame or we've seen their we pull the curtain back and their family is in absolute turmoil and it's Mm -hmm. a train wreck and keller was different keller it's like he achieved recognition way beyond his church redeemer presbyterian but it was almost you you saw something that he didn't seek it wasn't right. you know he was he was beloved because he was so normal and can carried himself in such a, a humble almost he was almost professorial in his in the way he carried himself but he had such a passion and such a love of jesus and passion for the gospel uh, it was contagious yeah, I kind of compare it to a guitarist. All guitarists know who Phil Keggy is because he's the guy, but the world doesn't know. Right. He kind of flew into that radar because he didn't seek the fame. Right. Would you say he's a pastor's pastor then? Well, I think whether you, know, whether you say it or not, he definitely was. Mm-hmm. He, he was. He's one who lots of us, myself included, would look to and say, okay, here's a situation. I wonder how Keller is handling this. I'd be interested to hear his thoughts. And, you know, it's, we all... Listen for the Lord's voice, and we all want to follow the Lord. You can't do that vicariously through someone else. But you're a fool if you don't learn from the wisdom of other people. And he's one who I think lots of people would go and say, okay, I value his approach to the Scripture. I value the way he's carried out his ministry. I want to hear what he has to say. Yeah. Do you remember when he first got on the radar with you? Was it a book or something, or did you see him speak? Did you ever see him? Um. I have never seen him live. Okay. I've listened to him a lot, yeah. his sermons, his podcasts, read multiple of his books. Every time I do premarital counseling, Lori and I do it, we take people through he and Kathy's book on marriage. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a wonderful, wonderful work. Uh, he's got a great book on preaching, book on prayer, so many different things. A great book on Christmas, just on the incarnation. So I've been... I feel like I've been mentored and pastored by him wow. through his, his writings. Cause you know, when you think about him, he, he's a very unique individual, yeah. right? As you process him, he's, he's scholarly. Mm-hmm. So he actually, you know, he's a pastor, but he's also a scholar, mm-hmm. right? He's a, he has the, the clear picture of his congregation and he wants to minister to his congregation. He cares about his congregation. He's the founder of the Gospel Coalition, one yeah. of the most influential groups, associations of ministers and churches in America and around the world. Around the world, yeah. um, it's a reformed group. But you know, I think lots of people beyond even reformed the reformed circles are influenced by the Gospel Coalition, fellowship with the Gospel Coalition. Uh, of course, as I mentioned, prolific author. Mm-hmm. Um, a humble man of God, you know, as, as a reformed pastor, he... What does that mean, reformed pastor? It, it's the theological school. He, he, you know, some would say he's Calvinist, okay? Uh-huh. He's Calvinist, and there's Calvinist Arminian. But what's funny is some people who pursue like a, a heavy... And, and any of the isms. I'm not, a, I'm not an ism guy. I don't like the labels. Yeah. I really don't. I, I, you know, if people ask, where do you fall theologically? Well, probably a Wesleyan kind of... Um, I, I'm not a Calvinist. But there's a tension there. There's a mystery in the sovereignty of God, the free will of men. There are mysteries that I don't care who you are. You, you can't 
you can't answer them. And, and when you get too into your isms yeah. uh, and your systems of theology, when your system becomes superior to the actual Scripture itself, and when you try to explain away the tensions that exist in Scripture that God allowed to exist, mm. I think you're in dangerous territory. Uh, Keller did a wonderful job with that. Yeah. So he never had that sectarian kind of divisiveness ever. Mm-hmm. And so that's why people who, even though we go, okay, he's probably more on that, that Calvinist scale than I'm going to be, but yet he didn't lead with that. That's not his calling card. That's, he had a humility. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing. He modeled, I believe, a humility mm-hmm. before the word of God mm-hmm. that makes anybody, even if you go, okay, I'm not sure about that, you can you can learn from someone like that because they have a humility. They they would be they would be safe to say this is what I think, but until I'm with Jesus, I won't know for sure. Yeah, right. So I, and I can respect a man like that. I wish we could have gotten him on this very podcast here on the Reaching for Real Life podcast with Pastor Sean Azaro. But if he were here, Pastor Sean, where would you start? Oh man, wow. Yeah. I'm looking at you trying to picture Tim Keller. <laughs> well, I can take off my hat and show you how bald I am. <laughs> that, that would that would help. That would help. Um, you know, I would I would start at the beginning how God I would start at wanting to know how God brought him to where he was mm-hmm. because he just you know he and his wife went to seminary and they got out and just began pastoral ministry. I'd love to hear him talk about when things began to snowball. You know, he when he went to New York because that mm-hmm. that was a big step, but he you know new, why New York? Yeah, you know, and I, it, that would be an amazing conversation because he had such a passion for the city. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he absolutely was a missionary to New York. And, you, and you, you will not understand Tim Keller if you don't understand that fact, mm-hmm. that he saw himself as a missionary yeah. to the city of New York. So therefore, in the same way, a missionary to South America or sub-Saharan Africa or wherever it is, in the same way that they feel they have to exegete the culture, they have to speak the language. They have to build bridges to connect with the people they're called to reach. Keller did that. Mm. And I think that's why a lot of the body of Christ elsewhere in America sometimes didn't understand him. They talk about how multicultural his church was. Right. Uh, just a reflection of New York. But yes. It seemed like it was majority was Asian, you know? Yeah. So again, a missionary in his own backyard. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and New York's that way. Yeah. One of the wonderful things about New York yeah. is you can be in a cafe and mm-hmm. everybody looks like New Yorkers. They all look the same. But then when you sit down, you realize, wait a minute, they're speaking some <laughs> Eastern European language. They're clearly South American over here, or, yeah. you know? Uh, and it's like, but they all look the same. They all interact the same. But you just, it is a very multicultural place. So, you know, Redeemer mm-hmm. had that kind of feel about it. You know, very, again, what you have to understand, some people sit and, you know, they, they don't understand why Keller did the things he did. If you understand his passion to reach the city that God called them to, mm. right? That, that's, that's a key to understanding him. So, Pastor Sean, as I was doing research for this, uh, you, of course, you stumble upon uh, Wikipedia and you find out the who, what, why, when, where, and they always got to include maybe a little controversy. I don't know if this is controversial here, but they, they kind of said that, well, he had some divisive issues when he, like he's pandering to the woke. Right, 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 right. What, what is your take on that? I, I think, because I know what they're talking about. Okay. And I think they're misunderstanding him. Mm. I don't think, because I've heard, listened to him enough that I don't think he's pandering to any woke. He knows his audience. Mm-hmm. Okay. New Yorkers. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, well, and, and he's, 
again, he's reaching them and he's helping them understand because I've heard him challenge like crazy people who are progressives or on the left. He will often be a little more hard, and this is this is just this is just something that I think a lot of Christians do a little more hard on those who are a little more right mm. or a little more c- culturally conservative or yeah, politically conservative, and the and he was a little more harder on the politically conservative than he would be on the politically progressive, ah. and so uh, again, one he's trying to communicate to an audience, and he's not wanting to turn them away and and I believe this same principle don't run someone off with your politics Mm -hmm. right with you know if people leave River City for example and they reject something I want it to be because they clearly heard the gospel Mm -hmm. and I I don't want anyone to reject the gospel but if they do I don't want to say oh I brought my politics in and then they never heard the gospel Mm -hmm. and I think Keller I think he was very much the same way. And so oh, yeah. I, I've heard him speak words of correction, loving words of correction to conservatives. I've heard him speak loving words of correction to uh, progressives. So I, I feel like that is an unfair categor- categorization. He was also a master of apologetics, too. Oh, yeah. I was a fan of that. Uh, his book, one of my favorite books of his, is uh, Reason for God. Yes. Reasons for God. It is, a, it is a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. It's just a great read. Can you remember anything about that? Any takeaway from just that one that, is, that would make, I don't know, did it arm me for my next conversation? Or just get the book? I, I, I believe in God. That's it. That's, it. That's all you need. <laughs> no, I, I think yeah, there's, all kind, there's all kinds of things. It's a great read. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's... One of the things he does very well is just show logical fallacies of some of the criticisms of faith mm. that people have or some of the objections to faith, and he's excellent at holding up logical fallacies. And so I, I recommend it highly. I also know he was a fan of C.S. Lewis, which, again, is, come on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what's right. interesting, I heard him say one time uh, how someone talked to him about how he can tell this listener, this person in his church said, I can tell when you've really done extra study or when you haven't. Because when you haven't, you quote a lot of C.S. Lewis. Ah. And, and it wasn't a criticism. It, it wasn't necessarily criticism. It was just, and Keller said, I've read so much of C.S. Lewis. I've made it so much a part of me that, yes, if I haven't done a lot of other quotes and I don't have a lot of other resource material, I will naturally lean on Lewis. So, yes, he was he was very much a student of C.S. Lewis. So, Sean, you would, you'd be saying that he's not pandering to the woke. No. I think if you, you have to understand he, he knows his audience. Mm-hmm. And, and let me just say this, and I want you to hear it clearly, and I want you to recognize it when you're listening to me, Keller, or anyone else. Nobody does it perfectly. Mm-hmm. In fact, wherever you are listening, so let's all say it together, nobody <laughs> does, does it perfectly. perfectly. Really, because we, we hold these pastors onto some sort of pedestal, and it's like, oh, he said this a little, oh, I think he's, and it's like, what's, what, what's going on in your life and heart that you're so desperate to criticize mm-hmm. someone who is sharing the gospel, who's, who's sharing the love of Jesus? The fact is, he, he, he maybe didn't always do it perfectly. In fact, I know he didn't because he wasn't perfect. Mm. But I listened to enough of him to know, okay, he's not pandering. That's not his heart. No. Uh, He just knew who he was talking to, and he chose to challenge them on Jesus and challenge them on sin, not on their politics necessarily. And and then he 
he he would he would also he would get to politics and he would talk about it but what's funny is when you start following jesus jesus kind of starts to to fix your politics right a little bit because your heart i don't care if you're conservative i don't care if you're liberal your heart is the problem mm-hmm. right? right and so when you have your heart filled with god's spirit and you have your heart restored by jesus christ you know you, your politics will start to iron out Interesting that he was a pastor of this church, I dare say a mega church, you know, 5,000 plus folks, multiple services in in New York City. Uh, But then he chose to step down from pastorship so that he could focus on evangelism with his uh, Redeemer City to City. Well, not, I mean, I would just say not just evangelism, but multiplication. Yes. So they had, they did multiple congregations. They, um, and he, his deal was to empower and create a movement more than just one congregation, a movement to reach the city. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just think that's a, I think it's a reflection of his own awareness of his limitation. I mean, again, he did have, he was diagnosed a few years yeah. back with pancreatic cancer. Uh, that kind of thing gives you some, a, a, a kind of healthy awareness of your limitations yeah. of your mortality. And so one of the best things any of us can do in recognizing our mortality is say, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in other people mm-hmm. and share the vision and the heart and what I've learned about the gospel with them. And so I think that's a reflection of him saying, this movement is going to outlive me, Mm. and I'm going to ensure that. Well done, good and faithful servant, I think is what he heard. Yeah, I believe so. Wow. Uh, All right, so now, Pastor Sean, i I got to ask you, what lesson does his life teach young ministers today? Yeah, and this this is so important because we we are lacking role models mm-hmm. so many times. I mean, I hope we have them in our personal lives. Like if, if you're a young minister, you know, what's, we so often focus on the celebrities. And remember, celebrity's hard, and don't be leaning so heavily on that celebrity pastor that you just love because, man, celebrity's a pressure that most people can't handle. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Keller did such a wonderful job and he is a good role model for many. I think first is passion for the lost, passion for the lost that says the mission of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to put it above my own reputation. I'm going to put it above my own advancement, my career. I'm going to be passionate for Jesus and for sharing his message with lost people. And so, you know, for Keller, that meant I'm going to be in New York and I'm going to create this movement that reaches people in New York, one of the toughest places, but one of the most influential places in the world. Just passion for Jesus and the gospel. Yeah. You know, he was in love with Jesus. You read him, you listen to him. He was in love with the Lord and had a passion for the gospel. Mm. So don't ever let that anything else take that central place in your life and your ministry. Um, I think Keller had a passion for the word of God. You know, when you, again, he was scholarly, but he was relatable. Mm. And, but everything he did, you just, he unpacked the scripture and just applied the scripture and everything was very biblically centered. And one of the things I love is he had a passion for the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get outside and they have this kind of, again, you can tell they're kind of building their own ministry. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like that. He was building the church, not his church, the church. Mm-hmm. And he had a passion for the people of God and that the church all over would be, be this place where the gospel permeated out of and influenced their surroundings. Pastor Sean, uh, as he's a humble man, it seemed like he's very approachable. Like you yeah. could walk up and yeah. just have a conversation there after church or whatever. Yep. Uh, and we're not supposed to elevate these guys, you know, like celebrity pastors might might be. But I dare say he'd probably be, can I guess, on your Mount Rushmore of pastors? Uh, yeah, of guys that, yeah, without, without a doubt. You know what's funny, Baron? My Mount Rushmore of pastors, I'm just going to share, just be vulnerable here. A uh, couple of the guys who would have been there uh, because of just stuff that's gone on, ways they've changed, stuff that's gone on in life, probably aren't on there anymore. 
Mm. And that is a that is a sad, sad, you know, it's just a sad state. So, so I guess you'd, you'd have to go up there then. <laughs> What's wrong with What's you? Wrong? <laughs> Someone's got to move out. You know? Someone's got to move in. <laughs> Not a Rushmore. I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little thing on the, yeah, the little, kiosk, little on the kiosk. You're on the keychain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, he's definitely a guy I have a high, yeah. high degree of respect for. Yeah. Because and he lived what he believed. He and he lived well. And he and he lived and died with integrity. And that's you know that's a that's a beautiful testimony to God's faithfulness and God's grace in his life. Mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis also up there for you. Who else? Uh, I lo- uh, man, I love C.S. Lewis. Yeah. He's, again, he's not. He wasn't a pastor. Wow. He was a scholar, but um, but such a great. But what an impact mere Christianity had oh on the church. Oh, my gosh. Well, and so many of his others, the problem mm-hmm. with pain, so many others of his works, that the weight of glory that just are, are incredible. Um, Spurgeon, obviously. I love mm-hmm. A.W. Tozer. Mm-hmm. Uh, A.W. Tozer has had a very unique uh, impact on me be, because at a time in my life when I was very, um, I was searching and I was already in ministry, God used A.W. Tozer's writing to really minister to me. So, that you know, there's all kinds. Awesome. All right. So then final thought, Pastor Sean, actually, if you could, what, 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 as a, I guess, I'm an apologetics guy, what, what books would you recommend to, to our listeners right now? If you're picking up your first Tim Keller book? Uh, well, Reasons for God would, yeah. be, would, be, the, would be one of the main ones. Uh, again, if you're it, it, it marriage, if you're looking for some biblical marriage foundation, uh, The Meaning of Marriage by Tim and Kathy Keller, is a fantastic book. Um, just really anything from Tim Keller. He's just, he is a wonderful, wonderful uh, preacher, exegeter of the word, and I, you will not be disappointed. Awesome. Anything else, Pastor Sean? No, Baron, hey, I'd just love to encourage you guys, if you're in our area, come see us next yeah. weekend, next Sunday, uh, 9.30, 11.30. The series that we're in is called Outside the Circle. What do we do when God works in unexpected places, unexpected ways, uh, in unexpected people? And um, it's going to be a great, great message. I encourage you to be a part of it. Excellent. Hey, if you want to share this podcast with anyone in your circle, uh, maybe a Tim Keller fan, and would like to, again, uh, learn Pastor Sean's thoughts on the whole topics and a whole bunch, well, they're all waiting for you at reachingforreallife.org. The whole podcast archive's there. You can find all the sermons. And Sean, Pastor Sean's music is also uh, available on there as well, as you hear going out of the show right now. <laughs> I love it. Pastor Sean, have a great week. Yeah, man, you too. God bless everyone. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.